The Truth News Network. Threats of more lockdowns, more mandates, masks, injections, fourth and fifth boosters. As we enter our third year of 15 days to flatten the curve, where do you turn for relief from the madness? You turn to the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. And you turn to Dan Newman. That would be me. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. As we get a new week started Some of the same old stuff is hanging around that we got to deal with. And we're going to dig through it all this morning. We got a big, big lineup of information of people that you're going to hear from. And they're all weighing in on pretty much everything that you and I are dealing with that we don't understand. And we're told just benignly sit there, be quiet, and trust us. We've got all this taken care of. Yeah. Vladimir Putin, he's cranking everything up over there in the old Soviet Union, trying to take that country back to the USSR. Wait a minute, that kind of sounds like a Beatles song, back to the USSR. It's not funny, folks. It's ramping up very quickly over there, and it looks like there is going to be a Russian invasion of Ukraine. We're going to deal with that. We're going to go to um, a group of people who all voted for Joe Biden. You're going to hear directly from six different people tell you where they stand in that voting decision, that choice they made back in 2020. Gosh, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess Tom flies when, uh, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> in this case, we obviously aren't having fun. <laughs> I'm not laughing at it, folks. Listen, you gotta you gotta keep a light side. It'll drive you absolutely crazy. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the Biden family syndicate in the big news. In fact, they're at the top of the lineup today. But first of all, let me tell you this. I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for coming aboard. It just blows my mind every day when uh, we sign off and I go look at the numbers of people that are listening in, people that are reading our stories at truthnewsnet.org. And I'm humbled because personally, I don't deserve it. And it's very indicative of one thing to me is that everybody out there, not just here in the United States, folks, we have a large audience overseas. It just blows my mind to look at the countries that people are listening in and from Australia, New Zealand, Russia. We have a huge contingency of people In Moscow, as a matter of fact, if you haven't heard this story, um, a year and a half ago, I guess, we started getting subscriptions to truthnewsnet.org, and a bunch of those subscriptions, you know, they're always just first, last name, and email address. A lot of those subscription emails ended in .ru or .yandex. So I got a little nervous about it. I went to my IT director and said, what's this about? He looked at it. His eyes got really big, and he said, those are from Russia. So it scared me, as you can imagine. It just happened that a couple of days later, I got a question via email from one of those suspicious-looking email addresses. And it was a young lady asking a question about one of the stories that we had published. I responded to her email, and at the end of it, I I did a PS. I said, by the way, 
we've been getting a lot of email uh, subscriptions from people like you and their email addresses end in .ru or .index. What's up with that? And she immediately replied and said, yes. She said, I'm a sophomore at the University of Moscow. The director of international politics here at this university required Truth News Network to be the example of American political narrative that we have to monitor as students. So, as a matter of fact, when we're sitting here today, there are between six and 700 students at the University of Moscow that if they're not listening in, it's being recorded for them to listen to later. That's interesting. And what it tells me is there's a lot of interest around the world People looking for the truth, looking for facts, and they're not getting it, apparently, in their news organizations. We certainly don't get much of it here, but we've got to have facts. So where do you go to get facts? If you're like me, you look around. You listen around. You watch around. You want to get the best, most factual information, and especially this, get information you can trust. That's a huge thing now. Yeah, we're going to check in with some of the mainstream media folks. In fact, we may do that first. But first, let me tell you what's going on with the Biden family syndicate. The Biden family scored $31 million from five deals they put together. And guess where they put them together? China. All with individuals with direct ties to the Chinese spy apparatus. That's according to a bombshell new book. Let me tell you a little about it. Multiple financiers with direct ties to Chinese intelligence partnered with Hunter Biden during and after his father's time as VP, vice president under Barack Obama, including, listen to this, the former head of the Ministry of State Security and the head of foreign intelligence recruitment in China. And some of those relationships are still intact. That's according to this brand new book, Red Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. And that's penned by Peter Schweitzer. In the book, Schweitzer explains that Beijing saw a financial relationship with the Bidens as an opening for elite capture. That's their term, elite capture. And that allowed Hunter to secure meetings, score big deals with people at the highest levels of banking institutions in China. And this one, the Chinese Communist Party. What does he get in return? They would be able to leverage the Biden's power for their interest in China and around the world. One of the early players in the Biden's Chinese deals is a guy named Chi Feng. Or the super chairman, as Hunter and his partners referred to him, to him in a bunch of different emails. Chi, who's the son of a PLA soldier, by the way, has been described here in the West as a shadowy and discreet investor whose father-in-law was the governor of the People's Bank of China and whose business partner was the vice minister of state security, a man by the name of Ma Jin. 
Schweitzer writes that Ma was reportedly the director of the ministry's number eight bureau overseeing North American operations targeting foreigners with its counterintelligence apparatus. Here's a quote from the book. The hazard of a Chinese businessman with close ties to the top ranks of Beijing's spy agency, that guy conducting financial transactions with the son of the U.S. vice president cannot be overstated. How this did not set off national security or ethics alarm bells in Washington is a wonder in itself. That's from Schreitzer in his book Red-Handed. The super chairman, it seems, was meant to fuse Chinese financial might to those with access to the highest levels of power in the West, which led to the creation of Bohai Harvest, funded by China's biggest government-backed financial institutions, with the Biden, Scion, and his American partners. Another partner the Bidens were introduced to through the super chairman is Zhou Zhujun. He goes by Henry Zhou. He farmed Harvest Fund Management. Zhou was the chairman and Chinese Communist Party general secretary at the firm. Zhou had another company called Harvest Global Investments, which he co-founded with Xi Ling, the daughter-in-law of a member of the Politburo's standing community at the time. Xi Jinping, Li King's father, is the former Minister of State Security in charge of secret service, espionage, domestic, and overseas intelligence work. That firm, Harvest Global Investments, that's the firm that wired that $5 million to another hot uh, Hunter Biden business called Burnham. There's one more powerful in the world of Chinese intelligence, Schweitzer Whites. No more. The seductive and lucrative deal that Hunter was now putting into place, creating BHR, involved two financiers with ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence, a billion-dollar private equity deal that was first exposed in Schweitzer's book Secret Empires. What we know now, Schweitzer said, are the roles played by the spy-connected super chairman and Zhou. According to Michael Lin, who's another Chinese partner, you got to follow all these names. It, they're important. You don't necessarily need to remember the names, but remember who they are and how connected they are. According to Lin, Hunter's role in the venture was pretty straightforward. Open as many doors as possible in the West for this very famous Bohai professional team. That was also the expectation that Hunter and his partners would join some of the meetings in Hong Kong and China that they arrange when communicating with possible financial partners. In other words, help us close these deals over here. The super chairman and Ma Jian were eventually arrested, charged with money laundering and bribery, taking them out of the deal with Biden. But the connections Hunter had made through them were already in stone and Joe would serve as a conduit for even more deals ahead. Eventually, BHR began buying or investing in companies in China and the U.S. with strategic importance. Here's an example. One of their early investments was in China General Nuclear Power Corporation, short 
is G, uh, CGN, with Hunter's firm as an anchor investor. The FBI, now listen to this, the FBI busted CGN as a conduit for nuclear espionage in the West, with CGN and in one of their engineers being charged by the Obama Department of Justice with stealing nuclear secrets in 2016. We didn't hear about any of that. BHR also bought an American oil company called Hennigas Automotive, which created anti-vibration technology with military and civilian applications. BHR partnered with the Aviation Industry Corporation of China to close that deal, one of China's largest military contractors and a major culprit in the theft of U.S. defense technology. So folks, between the BHR deal and the $5 million bucks wired by Harvest, Hunter received $25 million from Chinese businessmen tied to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. Eventually, Hunter would be introduced to CEFC China Energy Chairman Yi Zhimang, with whom he would develop a close working relationship. He would speak, according to Hunter, at least once a week. Hunter served as Yi's personal counsel and also worked with him to broaden CEFC as a global energy company, holdings in Oman, Romania, Colombia, and Luxembourg. But Yi also had close Chinese intelligence ties. CEFC was surprisingly housed in a complex in Shanghai's French concession sector. That's an area of Shanghai that's primarily controlled by China's military. One of Yi's early business partners was the granddaughter of one of the founders of China's military, Marshal Yi Jin Ying. The corporate logo of the company that Hunter was now advising, by the way, and which would pay him millions, features a star. According to company records on its English website, it represents civil rights. Kind of laughable, anything being of or for civil rights of the people of China, right? However, on the company's Chinese language site, the star signifies that this organization will play a strong and powerful role for the interest of the Chinese state and nation. That company, CEFC, was also a direct beneficiary to the Chinese military as the company played a central role in China's Belt and Road Initiative and was an all-supplier to the People's Liberation Army. Hunter set up two entities with Yi, Hudson West 4 and Sinohawk, to allow the chairman to invest in U.S. infrastructure. In total, the Biden family received $6 million from Yi's company. I'm not going to go on with all of this, folks. Let me just tell you this. How could something this large, this evil, and in many cases this illegal, how could it be allowed to happen with a sitting vice president and his family members? But even more, how could it be kept so secret for so long unless... The tentacles of the power 
of the elites at the top of the bureaucracies in Washington, D.C., made a unified choice to give it a pass, to keep it hidden. That in itself should scare the snot out of you. It certainly does to me. Just think about it. Peter Schweitzer unburied this. How did he unbury it? He's an investigator. I can't wait to get my hands on the book. I can't imagine what else is in there. This is one thing that I know for certain about Peter Schweitzer. I've read many of his other works. It's all factually based and it's verified. And he provides the sources for everything. So what does that tell you, Dan? It tells me this is all true. That is scary. We have a man in the White House. Listen to this. We have a man in the White House that is financially obligated to China. Now, don't tell me that somebody's going to say, well, it's not Joe Biden, it's his son. Folks, there is absolutely no reason why any country on the planet would do anything like this at even a minuscule level of dollars and cents that we're talking about with Hunter Biden. Unless, of course, they were going after Hunter Biden's access to Hunter's daddy, who then was VP and now is President of the United States. What ratcheting down on Hunter do you think has happened since Joe's been in the White House? What kind of deals have been put together, maybe initiated, maybe found some ways to hide some other stuff now that Joe's at the top and People are looking closer at Joe Biden than ever before. Just imagine what's going on behind the scenes. Remember, if somebody's waving their right hand and screaming and hollering, waving their white hand, don't listen to them. Don't watch what's going on with the right hand. Look at the left hand behind the back. That's where the facts are. That's where they are. Well, there's a lot of news today came out over the weekend. There's a lot of people that are turning on Uncle Joe. Even some members in his own party and even some people in the media lapdog group that just eat up and devour everything that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth, never asking any questions. You know, one of those places like um, CNN. Well, here's what I want you to do. CNN has some guest or not guest, I could say maybe contributing people that are technically on their staff, but they're really not on their staff. But they bring them in when they want to talk about this particular thing area is politics. And so CNN on one of their big shows on Friday, they brought in one of these guests to talk about what's going on with Joe Biden. I want you to listen. Now, remember, this is CNN. So if you ever watch much of CNN, and I don't want much, but I look in every once in a while just to see what they're doing. When they have three or four people on a panel, everybody's screaming and hollering and talking all at once. Not only listen to what this guest says, but listen to how quiet it gets in the background. Scott, I read a piece that you just wrote, essentially saying this is Joe Biden doing what Joe Biden does. 
Yeah, well, he, he I, I never imagined how quickly this would all unfold. The person they sold on the campaign, the nice old, you know, moderate grandpa who just wanted to help everybody get along and compromise is not what we got over the last year. He has no mandate really to do much of anything. It's amazing that he got a couple of things done when the mandate was really uh, pretty clear. 50-50 Senate, a near 50-50 House, and a pretty close presidential election. The mandate was simply replace Donald Trump and don't do anything drastic or stupid. And everything about this agenda is extremely drastic. And he's been angrier than I think people expected. He's been more divisive. He's been more partisan. You look at the issues. We built five years of coverage on Trump out of Russia, COVID, and democracy. The president at his press conference invites Russia to invade the Ukraine. We got more deaths under Biden than Trump. And now we have the president and vice president and leading Democrats question the legitimacy of the 2022 election. Are we any better off on these three issues that we crucified Trump over? I think he has a lot of political problems. And an AP poll came out this morning. Only 28 percent of Americans want the sitting president to run for re-election and fewer than half of Democrats. This is a disaster. That's CNN, folks. Nobody talking in the background. That one guy just roasted Joe Biden. And you know what else is really shocking about that? He spouted facts. (laughs) We don't get those very often out of mainstream media, certainly not out of CNN. It's all about Democrats. It's all about this administration. And anybody that disagrees and dare even to think about Donald Trump, oh my gosh, you're the scum of the earth. It's not good, folks. It's not good. And some will say, yeah, you know, we're just going to roll with it and watch and see what happens. We're past that point where that's acceptable, folks. We've all got to engage. We have so many moving parts in our lives right now that they became moving when this guy became president. We're talking about um, a pandemic if you really want to call it a pandemic, COVID-19. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about supply chain, serious issues. We're talking about the cost of everything going through the roof. Do you know we haven't even mentioned lately what all of this economical stuff is going to turn into, this inflation? Let me give you an example. We lived in Ruston, Louisiana. was in the car business, and I was interviewed to take a job at a bigger car dealership in Bastrop, Louisiana. This is in 1979. I'll never forget it, September the 15th. We we owned our home in Ruston and we sold it, but under Jimmy Carter, yeah, he had some Biden inflation going on in our our economy. And um, inflation's biggest target, I guess, I don't want to call it maybe a target, but the thing, the biggest thing that comes out of inflation or interest rates begin to rise. The Fed, they uh, they raise interest rates to try to slow down the economy and then allow them to reduce the interest rates. Prime lending went to 21%. I'll never forget this as long as we live. The dealership that I w- was in in Ruston floor planned everything. In other words, the dealership borrowed all the money from Ford Motor Credit to pay for the new vehicles that came in. And the rate with Ford Motor Credit was 1% over, over, over prime lending. So in my capacity in Ruston, I was signing some checks and I was paying floor plan interest, just interest to have these new vehicles on the lot. And it was running 
10, 15, 20,000 dollars a month before we ever opened the doors. The new dealership I went to in Bastrop, Louisiana, the dealer was very wealthy and we did not floor plan. So he saved a bunch of money. I'm pointing this out. The people who do well when inflation is staggering are people that have a lot of money, that have a lot of cash. Those evil wealthy people. At that particular time, you could buy a certificate of deposit at a regular bank and get 16% interest on a certificate on a CD. That's unheard of. Mortgage rates were going up to 17, 18%. I had a loan on a home in Ruston, Louisiana, where we live, with a mortgage company that was owned by a friend of mine. And I got a great rate, 7%. I know now that sounds like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Well, it is now, but back then you were doing really good when other people are paying 15, 16% for mortgages. And they let me move that mortgage to the house that I bought in Bastrop at the same rate. It was that crazy. Folks, we are so close to seeing that right now. You have no idea how close it is. It's way closer than we think it is. But they're going to have to stop this stuff. They've got to, or we'll end up like a third world country where they're paying 25, 30% interest on anything. It makes everything devalue. And you can't buy anything because you can't come up with enough dollars to buy it. Don't ever minimize these important things. Have you been to the grocery store lately? I don't go a lot, but when I go, I want to, I'm one of those guys. I know what I need. I want to go in and just walk in and find it, go to the register and get out of there. I went in the store, a Kroger store. Now, you know, that's one of the biggest national grocery chains. And they, they have some really nice stores in our area. One closest to us is really nice. I walked in and I went down the bread aisle that is normally, you know how those grocery store aisles are, from one end of the major cross aisle all the way down to the other end, it's always packed with all kinds of breads and choices. They even have a section for, um, uh, what do they call it? Bread that has no yeast in it. I, I can't even remember the name. They have a section for that. When I turned and walked down this aisle, I promise you, maybe 10% of the aisle had bread. And I thought maybe, you know, they don't stock a lot during the day. They do that at night. And I asked one of the people that worked there, and they said, we're having a shortage of bread. <laughs> this is the United States of America. That stuff is not supposed to happen. So in the midst of all this kind of stuff, there's a lot of research going on, a lot of questions being asked about not only what's going on, but who's responsible. And of course, all fingers point to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. A poll late last week, Fox News, 60% of people that responded to the poll would support any presidential candidate other than this incumbent at the 2024 general election, 60%. A total of 44% would definitely back someone else 
36% claimed they would re-elect Biden. Only 21% would definitely re-elect him. You see those numbers, 44%, 36%, 36%, they claimed they would re-elect Biden. They're the hardcore Democrats. They're committed regardless. They're going to pull that lever, push that button. Doesn't matter what whoever is the Democrat at that time is doing or hasn't done. The Democrat attracted the highest so-called someone else percentage compared to former President Donald Trump's 56% back in 2018 and Barack Obama's 54% in 2010. Another polling company, Beacon Research and Shaw Company, were jointly commissioned to randomly telephone interview 1,001 registered voters nationwide last week, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. These certainly are not numbers the Biden team wants, but Democratic defection is the main reason his generic re-elect is low. That came from Beacon's president, Chris Anderson. It's safe to assume most of these Dems will back him if he's the nominee and the only choice against a Republican. His approval rating has really suffered since October. The figure still sits at 40% compared to 52% who disapprove in some polls. I tell you what, let's do. Let's look real quickly. Real clear politics is the place if you want to keep up with polls because what they do, they uh, for all, I mean, all kinds of polls, but what they do, they, they get all of the polls and they crank them in and um, put them all together and list them all separately so you can come up with it. Let's see what we have here. Uh, where'd we go? Let me go? Let me go to Biden's approval ratings. We'll just do that. We'll just look at that because uh, we could spend all day talking about polls and I'm not going to do it. So Biden's approval rating, this is through the 20th. Fox News has him at, at approved 47, disapproved 52. Rasmussen has him at 41 approved, 58 disapproved. Reuters, 43 approved, 52 disapproved. Economist YouGov has him at 42% approved, 53% disapproved. NBC News, 44 approved, 54 disapproved. Politico, 40 approved, disapproved, 56. Trafalgar Group, 39% 39% approved, 59 disapproved. Quinnipiac, 35 approved, 54 disapproved. And Gallup, 40% approved, 56% disapproved. He's not above water in any poll. And if you look at the graphs that show where he was when he was elected to where he is now, <laughs> the bottom's fallen out of it. The floor is gone. You would think, about this point, you would think that whoever was a president that was elected would be sharp enough to look at the landscape of what's going on out there and say, you know what? This isn't good. We need to make some changes. And they're not. Jen Psaki penned over the weekend an op-ed in USA Today, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, and you know what it says? Biden's having a great first year. I can't point 
in reality, I can't point to one great thing about Joe Biden's presidency yet. Not one. And folks, we got three freaking years to go. Wow. Well, there's a bunch of Americans that are pushing back about a bunch of things. Washington, D.C. There was a big event going on there this weekend. There's a whole lot more we're going to get to now. A whole lot more. And oh, by the way, Dr. Fauci, he crawled out of his cave over the weekend. Of course, he's going to make it. You know, he always gets to the Sunday morning news shows and shares his wisdom, wealth of knowledge with the world on everything to do with medicine and economics and everything else for that matter. We have Dr. Fauci here for you in just a little bit. That's on the other side. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10-10-10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. In a world of change, one thing remains constant. The bedrock of truth. Welcome to the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org I think I need to add one more thing to what Pete Moss just said. Bedrock of truth never changes. It's always absolute. We We tell you that all the time. We remind you of that all the time. But something else, there's going to be chaos in our political process in the United States of America. I don't remember a time, especially in recent history, where we didn't have a lot of chaos and confusion in the government. There's always something going on. Politics has destroyed the world. (laughs) That's my opinion. I'm just saying if we could have a government and run a government and live our lives without having to even think about the political narrative, I think the world would be a lot better off. I guess you heard about the Defeat the Mandates march that took to the streets and monuments of D.C. over the weekend. 
Protesters, some speakers call for an end to COVID vaccine mandates nationwide. This is in the shadow of of a number of major cities, including Washington itself, the Big Apple, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Minneapolis, Boston. They've all implemented citywide rules that require residents to show proof of vaccination at certain establishments like restaurants and gyms. The protest, thank God, was totally peaceful. There was no violence that broke out. I really thought there would be some quote-unquote demonstrators there that would be plants to really start some stuff, but I didn't hear about a single thing. Started about noon yesterday at the Washington Monument, headed first to the Lincoln Memorial, remained while a series of speakers took to the steps and they shared their experiences of the past year and their reasons to call for an end to the vaccine mandates. And I think that just makes sense. Crowd size, it's estimated 35,000 attended the protest, demanding an end to the vax mandates and passports, by the way, and a call for reasonable debate and the power of informed consent. You're going to hear a lot of people talk about, on the left say, this is a big anti-vax rally. It's people coming in to deny science. That's what the organizer of the event, a guy named Will Witt, who was an author and political commentator for Prager, he said to Fox News Digital last week. He continued, but this march is about the mandate. And this march is about the draconian measures that we're seeing all across this country right now, especially in places like D.C., New York, L.A., and San Francisco. There were some big sponsors of this event. Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, World Council for Health, Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, and Children's Health Defense, headed by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Speakers included Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of mRNA technology used in all of these COVID vaccines, Dr. Peter McCullough, who you've heard on this show, Dr. Christina Parks, Dr. Paul Alexander, Stephanie DeGarry, mother of Maddie DeGarry. The rally ended about 3.30, I thought it was interesting to note that uh, it went well. A lot of people shared some truths out there. And folks, this is the first of these big events. I really expect if the government doesn't relax, if Joe Biden doesn't back off of all of this craziness, and it goes from the top down. I mean, when people in states around the country and mayors and cities around the country, when they look at what Washington's doing, that's supposed to be a template. You know, if you trust Washington, then by jingos, everything Washington does, you're going to do. Everything they say, you're going to parrot. Facts don't matter in that, if that's the role that you're going to go down. But facts matter. There's going to be a, a whole lot more of this kind of pushback. On Friday, in Friday's show, I talked about what had been going on for several months now in Europe, in major cities across Europe. Not just demonstrations that turn into protest. I'm talking about demonstrations that turn into protest, that turn into violence. Tens of thousands of people storming the streets of these major cities, pushing back at the European governments that have really gone over the top in their mandate requirements. 
We told you, I believe it was on Thursday, the whole nation of Austria, the legislative body there voted for absolute mandates for vaccines for everybody except kids. Everybody. And if you don't get vaccinated, the fines they place on you are out the wazoo. This kind of stuff is not going to stand. I can't understand. I really can't. I try in my little pea brain to imagine what justification anybody would have to just because the government tells us to do something, you just automatically go and do it. We live in an environment where government is not trusted any longer. And there's a lot of justification for feeling that way. Because we've been told, especially with this COVID-19 thing, we've been told hundreds of things that we find out in many cases when they are told to us, we already know they're not true. And then there's our COVID God, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He too found a television camera and a microphone over the weekend. And as you know, we, we follow Fauci pretty closely here. It's inevitable. He's on a cycle. One of those circle back cycles that Jen Psaki talks about, or she used to before everybody began to make fun of her for saying circle back. But his is every Sunday, he's going to show up on a talk show or two, a news show, one of the Sunday shows, maybe two of them. And he's always got to bring something to the table. You know, they've got to justify having Fauci on. So what do you have for us, Dr. Fauci? And he throws out another Fauciism. Listen to yesterday's version of COVID-19 insanity with Dr. Anthony Fauci. What about the next booster shot? For a substantial part of the population, they're now moving into the fifth month of their booster. So does it lose its effectiveness and how soon should they get another one if that's your advice? Well, the answer, Margaret, honestly, is that we don't know because we don't know the durability of protection for, from the third shot boost of an mRNA and the second shot boost of a J&J. Certainly, you are going to see the antibody levels go down. That's natural. But there's an element of the immune response, B-cell memory and T-cell responses, where even though you do see a diminution of antibody levels, it is quite conceivable, and I hope it's true, that the third shot boost will give a much greater durability of protection. We're following that very carefully. And when I say protection, Martha, I mean protection against severe disease. You are going to see breakthrough infections as we've seen now, even in boosted people. But for the very most part, they're mild or even asymptomatic. That's where we would like to be, is to have that where you don't have to get more and more always every six months with a booster. We may need to boost again. That's entirely conceivable. Did you get that? Oh, you don't want to get where every few months you got to get another booster. We want no facts, no science in anything you just heard from Dr. Anthony Fauci. We may need, this might be what we need to hope for. You know what that says to me? He's exactly like you and I, looking for facts. I won't belabor you and take your energy and get you mad by going through a litany of lies that we've been told through this entire thing by Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, You heard Pete Moss 
refer to one in the opening this morning. You remember that? 15 days and we'll we'll turn this thing around. If we lock down for 15 days, folks, that was back in March. It'll be two years ago in two months. Think about that. Everything we have been told by this man, with few exceptions, has not been accurate. Now, I don't want to say he lied, but it's not been accurate. In many ways, many cases, he's guessing. But because he's got the title, and because he's got the paycheck as the highest paid federal employee, he just assumes everybody's going to listen to every word that he says and just go with it. Never question the guy. You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'm the COVID God for the United States of America. Well, I tell you what, in the landscape that we see in this nation, it's not just in Washington, D.C., folks. We're seeing some really empowered individuals around the nation that have just taken positions like, I'm who I am, and I know more than you, and I'm in an elected position or an appointed position, and you can't disagree with me. If you do, we're going to cancel you. And we see it happening everywhere. Listen to what happened in Pennsylvania. A school board member, a disgruntled parent showed up at board meetings to voice concerns about school board education issues. And this school board member, he got so hacked off because these parents just keep coming up here acting like they know what's best for their kids. He penned an op-ed Sunday in Pennsylvania in which he responded, quote, I don't work for you. So let me tell you about this guy. His name is Richard Robinson. He's a member of the York, Pennsylvania Suburban School Board. Appears to long for the days when nobody showed up to school board meetings <laughs> to ask questions and make opinion statements. The public comments period in these meetings, he noted at the York Dispatch, once gave residents the chance to vent their spleens about exorbitant taxes or demand subjects be taught properly the way they were during the most frigid period of the Cold War. Those days, however, Robinson complained, school boards are now the new battleground in the fight for America's future. Listen to what he said. I'm going to quote him. Some members of my community appear to interpret this part of board meetings as the occasion to tell board members why they have the collective intelligence of a village idiot and how the school district ought to be addressing real problems. When the board does not fall in line with each and every demand, we are accused of ignoring the thoughtful, unbiased, sincere, and righteous ultimatums of our community. Robinson said he he preferred to write, not as a member of a school board, but instead as a member of my community who serves on a school board. He responded to the concept that he works for the taxpayers of his community community with this statement. I'm going to quote him again. No, I don't work for you. I was elected by people who voted to represent you. 
It is not the same thing. You may also be surprised to learn every member of a school board is a taxpayer too. I come from a long line of taxpaying men and women. Sounds like a nice guy, right? Presenting a list of grievances in his opinion column, he criticized doctors who offer public comments during school board meetings but neglect to provide their credentials. Parents who threaten school boards with lawsuits. Parent bullies who threaten to remove their children from school if mask mandates are not ended. And parents who claim they know what is best for their child. Robinson disagrees with these parents top to bottom. He says this, quote, Nevertheless, if you are offended because I don't believe parents are infallible, you can always sue or take your child out of school your choice. Finally, Robinson states the most offensive and vile of all individuals who comment at board meetings are the charlatans who claim health and safety measures are responsible for destroying the mental health of children simply to justify their own social agenda. There are members of the community, he said, who try to draw attention to the warning signs of increasing mental distress among our children long before you ever thought of mental health as a potential cudgel, he sneered. Cudgel, I love that word. I I need to use it more often. Cudgel. And I'm going to sneer just like he did. To listen to your repeated distortions of the facts is nauseated. He wasn't through. There's only one thing more to share with my fellow citizens who come out to say, be a trendsetter, be a leader, be on the right side of history and do what I tell you to do, he wrote. No, I have watched live live streams of board meetings numerous times and reviewed the written protest repeatedly, he said. Your voice has been heard. As far as the right side of history is concerned, I like my odds. I'm so glad my kids aren't in a school in that district under that school board that he's on because there'd be some heated conversations. I promise you that. Nicole Nelly, who is president of Parents Defending Education, said Robinson was mocking parents. Far too many elected officials have shown over the past two years, she said, that the consent of the governed is little more than an inconvenient speed bump on the road to advancing their unpopular agendas. Mocking and dismissing the concerns of the community may be cathartic for petty dictators, but it's not a path to electoral success. Robinson's op-ed is written days after newly inaugurated Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, who's a Republican, remember this? He told his state's General Assembly parents have a fundamental right to decide their child's upbringing, education, and care. And we, the governor said, we will protect and reassert that right. But then comes in old Rich Robinson, He made it very clear he's a member of the York Suburban School Board and it's not because those parents of those children in the schools that that 
York Suburban School Board oversees, it's because somebody else chose for him to serve. But he got up on his pulpit and he wrote his letter. He said, not as a school board member, but as a parent. In other words, I'm going to go down to your level and I'm going to tell you what my opinion is. Sadly, folks, this is not unusual. This happens every day across the nation. Just remember, before the last year, when all of this began, when parents' eyes began to be open, they, they saw what all of the egregious top-down lockdown on our children in schools was doing to their kids physically, emotionally, mentally. I mean, I heard testimonies, and we, we played some interview audio sound for you where moms were talking about their kids coming home. One kid came home and his mask was filled with vomit. And the reason was he was afraid to take it off. The teacher didn't even realize that he had thrown up and taken to the restroom. They're scared to death. Our kids don't know what's going on. But, oh, 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 Mr. Robinson, he knows. Richard knows exactly what's going on and what's best for your kid. He knows it doesn't matter if he doesn't know you and doesn't know anything about your kid. He's a Pennsylvania school board member. And he certainly made it very clear his opinion about parents. They don't know more about their parent, their kids' welfare than schools and school board members know about your kids. All four of our kids, I, I said four. <laughs> I didn't have another one. It's three. All three of our kids grew up in public schools. This was back in the 80s, folks. Public schools were way different then. I promise you they were way, yeah, they had trouble then. We had problems every school, private schools. every. When you deal with people, folks, people are people, and people are going to do things and say things that create havoc. I mean, it's plain and simple. That happens. But you work. If you're in the teaching business, what we always discovered was if there are problems with the kid, they bring the parents in. If the parents have problems, their kid has problems in school, they bring the schools in. You communicate with each other. Instead of sit up in front of these parents and pontificate, look down on these parents that are coming there, they're concerned about the actual status of their children that in large part is directly implicated by how they are being taught and how they are being treated when they go to school. Things are different now. 35 years later, things are way different. Way, 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 way different. And it's amazing to me that parents in large are just now figuring it out. And I'll ask this question again. Are we too far gone? Are we too far down that road that we won't be able to take over, take our education system, public education, billions and billions of dollars paid by the federal government, which is our money, for these sycophants like Robinson to sit up and pontificate because they're the enlightened ones. They know what's better than you do. 
So let's move on. What's your opinion about the job Joe Biden is doing so far? I gave you those numbers from Real Clear Politics on all of those approval ratings. You think the numbers are pretty accurate? I mean, he's underwater with his approval rating in every one of them. Some of them, two or three points. Quite a few of them now down in the double digits of they don't like the job he's doing. Where are you in all this? It was interesting over the weekend. I I watched and, and I saw on CBS a focus group. They brought in six voters, registered voters, people that voted in 2020 election. And they asked them about Joe's job so far. Six people. Now, this remember, this is CBS. This is not Fox or, or uh, One America Network or Newsmax, conservative television out, outlets. This is CBS. They brought in this focus group. Listen to this and listen closely because on video, I saw a lot of times people were shaking their heads. They weren't saying anything. But listen to the verbal part of their responses to the questions. We are a year into unified Democratic control of the House, of the Senate, of the executive branch. Do you feel any differently? Do you feel that Washington understands what all of you are experiencing out there? Beth is shaking her head no. I mean, so many of you are. But have you always felt that way? Or is there a new level of sort of skepticism about Washington? Yeah, I think so. I, I really had such high hopes for this administration when they came in. And um, it's just been one disaster after another. Um, Afghanistan, inflation, take your pick. I just don't understand. I thought this was going to be a president for the people of the people. And I just feel like it's one, you know, hurdle after another that we all have to climb. Chelsea, I saw you raise your hand. I do agree that fundamentally for me, nothing has changed. I think that I am more skeptical now. My life has not improved. COVID has not improved. Biden has not, you know, stuck to any of his promises. Um, I don't think any anyone in Washington is really for working people. And that has been mm-hmm. so clear this year. Can I see a show of hands? Do any of you feel like the economy has gotten better in the past year? <laughs> All of you are saying no, even though the jobs picture is brighter, even though the direction of the economy and recovery is happening. Are you all concerned about rising prices and inflation? I go to the grocery store now, I'm, I'm paying double the amount that I was paying, um, you know, even a few months ago. Uh, everything's gone up. My granddaughter loves bacon, by the way, and I can barely afford bacon. I can barely afford bacon. I know every one of you listening in this morning, if you don't shop, you are involved in paying bills and you see the dollars and cents that living today, not just in the grocery store, everything else, you go to the gas pump, it's way up, it's way up, food's way up. If you can find it, it's way more expensive. Getting somebody to come mow your yard or do anything, service nationwide, the costs are exploding And I lived through Jimmy Carter's years. I gave you the example of when we got that mortgage 
We did. We were fortunate. We were blessed. We didn't have to pay twice that when we bought that home. We made a move because of work. But that's just a great thing that happened to me. Nobody else around me was getting those opportunities at that time. I was just very fortunate. Pay raises have happened, folks. Wages across the nation are up from when Joe Biden was elected president. But they've been eaten up and eaten into even more beyond that by inflation. Inflation. Wow. Is it going to get better? Will it get better? Well, let's hope it will. But I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I'm a, I'm a positive guy. My glass is always half full. But looking down the road, I don't see how it can. I mean, we've learned in the last year, you can really destroy an economy in just a few months. <laughs> Joe's done that, regardless of what Jen Psaki said in her op-ed in the USA Today over the weekend, where Joe had a great first year. I just don't get it. I do not understand. But we've got to accept facts and deal with what's on our plate in front of us now. So what's ahead in the show? We want to hear from you anytime. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more COVID stuff. We really didn't get into it. And yes, we're going to talk about what's happening over in Russia and Northern Europe, Eastern Europe as well, and how it's going to impact us very, very soon. I promise you, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen over there. Vladimir Putin is just cranking up. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive through to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounded with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. 
Sugar Bites. Protect your kids. You know what? I didn't even mention the playoff football games this weekend. Those two yesterday. OMG. Probably two of the most incredible playoff games I've seen in my lifetime in the NFL. Los Angeles. There's a big thing about Los Angeles beating Tampa Bay, but I want to point out the big commonality between those two games yesterday. In the NFC divisional race, that was Tampa and the Rams from Los Angeles. Um, I thought Tampa was going to do it, but I mean Los Angeles, L.A. They played an amazing game. 15 seconds to go determine the outcome of that game. But the nightcapper, oh my gosh, Buffalo and Kansas City, the AFC divisional race, I thought Kansas City would blow away Buffalo, but it didn't happen that way. In fact, it went the other way for most of the game. But in the last 13 seconds of the game, now this is an overtime. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, this is not overtime. This is in regular regular time. I thought for sure it was toast. Kansas City got the ball in 13 seconds. <laughs> they drove the length of the field to tie the game, go into overtime, and then they get the ball first coming out because of the overtime rules, which many people, by the way, are going nuts about this morning. we got to change that overtime. Buffalo didn't get a chance in overtime to even possess the ball. That's the rule. And so on the first possession by Kansas City, in fact, that was the only possession in overtime because they drove the length of the field and scored a touchdown to win it. It's amazing. And then three-point games, last-minute walk-off field goals on Saturday. You just can't, you can't make this stuff up. What it tells me is there's a lot of parent parody in the NFL that we haven't seen in a lot of years. And I'm a football guy. People that know me, you know that about me. I'm, I'm into football, was into arena football for about 12 years. I love that game. I love outdoor football. I just love football. But I've never seen it at this level, at the top. I've never seen it this close There's always been a dominant team in the league, but I just don't see it this year. As a matter of fact, going into that game, I thought Kansas City and Buffalo were the two best teams in the playoffs. They played a great game, and they're both good good teams, without a doubt. Cincinnati, I promise you, Cincinnati Bengals, um, (laughs) they were looking at that game, the Cincinnati-Kansas City game, because they're going to travel to whichever team won that particular game. And you look at Buffalo, New York as a place that you may have to go for the the AFC championship game next weekend. This time of year, do you know anything about Buffalo and how cold it gets up there? Let me look real quick. Let me look at the weather in, uh, let's just say Buffalo, New York this, this morning. Weather in Buffalo. I'm curious. Just humor me. Right now, as we are speaking, you and me, it's 16 degrees. 16 degrees. The high today, 
19 degrees. <laughs> and next weekend, folks, we are another week into this thing. So Cincinnati, it, they didn't want to go there. Besides that, they already beat Kansas City one time in the regular season this year. So anyway, the Bengals, with um, my close buddy, I call him kind of like my nephew, Trent Taylor, wide receiver, kick and punt return specialist for the Bengals. They'll be in Kansas City. And it's kind of ironic, his first game in the NFL in preseason, he played in Kansas City. And so he's. this is his first trip back to Kansas City. It'll be interesting to see how that game goes. It's a wild, wild west in the NFL this year. There's no question about it. So let's get back to business. New CDC report. I guess we need a drum roll on this or something. Why, Dan? Well, the CDC admits finally that natural immunity was stronger than vaccinations during the entire Delta wave of COVID-19 infections. They finally acknowledged a point that COVID dissenters have been making since at least the creation of the first vaccine. Natural immunity, it does count. A study published by this CDC that released it last week found that persons with vaccine and infection-derived immunity the latter of which is the agency's term for natural immunity, had much lower rates of hospitalization compared with those in the unvaxxed persons during the study period. It was conducted in two obvious big spots that you would do this, New York and California, between May and November last year. The study also found that natural immunity offered even greater protection after the highly transmissible Delta variant became predominant coinciding with early declining of vaccine-induced immunity. In other words, when a new variant popped up and Americans who were only vaccinated began contracting the virus left and right, those with natural immunity fared. It appears, they put that it appears in their statement, folks. Why is that? Because they don't ever want to say, we were wrong. They said it appears natural immunity is best. That said, prior to the emergence of the Delta variant, the vaccinated people did reportedly hold a slight advantage. Now, this is from their study. The data shows specifically that during this earlier period, the pandemic in California, those with just vaccine immunity were 19.9 times less likely to contract the virus than the unvaxxed while those with just natural immunity were just 7.2 times less likely. But once Delta hit the forefront, the rates flipped. Those Californians with just natural immunity being 29 times less likely, and those with just vaccine immunity being only 6.2 times less likely. Despite this bombshell data, The CDC, still today, folks, this is what blows Americans' minds. We just heard the facts from the CDC. Well, despite that, the CDC still stresses that vaccination remains the safest strategy for averting future SARS-CoV-2 infections, hospitalizations, long-term immunity 
and death. Now, let me ask you that. They say that. Do they have facts to back it up? No, they don't. Or they would have put the facts in there. That is nothing more than their opinion. Well, how do you know that, Dan? Folks, listen, we've been on this train for almost two years now. Do you realize it was two years ago this month that we first heard the name COVID? From the very beginning, we've gotten fact after fact after fact after fact, and all those facts I just said are in quotation marks. Why? Because they weren't true. They weren't facts at all. We've heard those being spouted by Dr. Fauci. Now Dr. Rochelle Walensky, that's the current head of the CDC, telling us, you got to believe this. This is factual. The science shows it when, when it's not. So let me ask you this. In your life, people that you know, maybe even your own kids or your spouses, people that you're with, when do you stop believing someone that gets caught telling you lies? Not once, not twice, not three times, but dozens of times. When do you stop trusting what they tell you? I just thought I'd sow that little seed in your mind to think about. If we can't trust the CDC, which is set up for us to believe is the number one healthcare institution on the planet, they know more than any of the rest of us. Folks, we've had doctors on this show. Dr. Fleming, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Judy Mikovits on here. Judy was on here for an hour and 45 minutes. And this was before the pandemic even began. She predicted not just what was going to happen, but the stages that it was going to happen in. And she predicted everything Tony Fauci was going to tell Americans to do. She knows him well. She was his lab partner for more than a decade back in the 90s and the early 2000s. So the CDC, they didn't say they we were wrong, we were wrong. They just basically said it looks like. And so the CDC, therefore, say that its recommendations remain the same. Primary vaccination, additional doses, and booster doses are recommended for all eligible persons. Additional future recommendations for vaccine doses might be warranted as the virus and immunity levels change. Let me interpret that for you. They think that. You heard Fauci just a little bit ago. You heard from his own mouth. He didn't use the number, but he said, we may be in store for another booster. Well, if that's the case, folks, we're going to be in store for it. If you got the first vaccine, you got the second round, you got your first booster, you got your second booster, you got your third booster. He's now saying a fourth booster. And when he said it's it might happen, I can tell you, they're going to push it out, a fourth booster. When does it stop? The CDC has not ever, not ever one time come to the table and said, all of you people that are hearing all this stuff about what's in these vaccines, let us give you the facts. Here's the facts. Here's a chemical analysis of the entire contents. 
in the Moderna vaccine, in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and in the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Bam. They haven't done that. Why not? Why won't they tell you now? We know our lab analysis, our controlled trials, our tests, they tell us we're probably going to need, on the most part, most people in this category, in this category, but not in this one, are going to need a fourth booster. They don't have the science to back that up. As more and more Americans awaken to realize we've been we've been conned, and I'm using that term loosely because I'm not an anti-medical person. For those that know me, know that I've spent a career in the healthcare industry. 28 years. I believe in medicine. Medicine has saved my life on two different occasions, beginning when I was six years old. I believe in medicine, but we're not hearing medicine that sits out in the open and it's all there. We're hearing all kinds of medical stuff we're being told or factual, but it's not the medicine itself that's speaking. It's being interpreted by so-called experts. People are getting sick and people are dying. All of these people, almost without exception, are listening to and abiding by the information given to us by these experts. So here's something nobody's talking about. Insurance companies are. Insurance companies now are reporting a jump in death payouts due to a dramatic rise in the number of deaths. Go figure, huh? The rise in the death rate is being corroborated by death certificate data from who? The CDC. Listen to this. What do you think? How many, What percentage increase in death? Two, three, four percent. The death rate we find out over the weekend is up by 40% from pre-pandemic levels. That's according to Scott Davison, chief executive of One America, a major insurance company based in Indianapolis. Davison said the change is unprecedented. Quote, we are seeing right now the highest death rates we have seen in the history of the insurance industry. Now, they sell life insurance to employers nationwide. Similar figures are found throughout the industry. The data is consistent across every player in that business, he said. And what we saw just in the third quarter, we're seeing it continue into the fourth quarter, is that death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic. Just to give you an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or a one in 200 year catastrophe would be a 10% increase over pre-pandemic. So 40%, it's never been heard of. Now this number, the 40% number, doesn't represent folks dying of old age, but is instead a reflection of deaths in working age adults ages 18 to 65. However, What's responsible for the alarming spike in fatalities in this age group is not clear. And I'm sure if somebody said it was because of this or because of that, everybody would say, oh, no, how do you, you don't know that. You don't know, where's the science? Where's the science? We don't say that to Fauci, but we would about this. So with all of the concern that we hear 
about COVID-19. The virus seems a likely choice as being the one that's killing these people. But according to Davison, something else is at play. He said the data coming from insurance companies, entities in the business of paying out when people die, show that the deaths being reported as COVID-19 fatalities greatly understate the actual deaths from working-age people hit by the pandemic, as most of the claims being filed aren't being classified as COVID-19 deaths. Now think that through. What, What does that mean, Dan? It means it may even be higher than we're being told. It may not all be COVID on their death certificate, but deaths are up just huge, huge numbers. Also taking part in in that conversation was Brian Tabor, president of the Indiana Hospital Association. He noted a rise in illness, sharp rise in illness from a different perspective. Tabor said hospitals across Indiana are being flooded with patients with many different conditions. In October of 2021, it was reported that health insurers saw a huge surge in non-COVID claims, with the head of interventional cardiology at a Mumbai, India hospital noting a 40% increase in heart problems compared to the previous six to eight months. Ever since COVID hit, the world has been bracing itself for these big numbers. Most recently, December 17th, President Joe Biden, in a press briefing in the White House, he warned that unvaxxed Americans can look forward to a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. Still, these massive numbers emerging all of a sudden are hard to understand. The pandemic's worn on for nearly two years now. Health officials have been keeping a close eye on the death count. What could account for such a dramatic jump at the end of 2021. Now, we can't forget about the opioid overdoses. We know those are ramping up high, particularly those from fentanyl. According to one analysis of data from the CDC, fentanyl fatalities have skyrocketed. From April 20 to April 21, more than 64,000 overdose deaths were attributed to fentanyl poisoning nearly double the same as in 2019. The drug has become the number one cause of death for Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. But folks, there's more to the story than fentanyl. Although the rise in opioid overdoses, it counts for some of the increased deaths here, there's no comparable opioid crisis in another country reporting a dramatic rise in their non-COVID death rate. So don't get tempted to dismiss that number altogether. As many statistics that have emerged over the pandemic's tenure initially caused harm, only to remain in the realm of misinformation, speculation, and misinterpretation or just outright lies. We've heard breathless reports of mathematical models projecting an enormous surge of COVID deaths that never came close to measuring up to the actual numbers. Today, folks, we live in a world where we're not sure if cases are actually going up or if there's just an increase in testing. Where we're not sure if death statistics reflect people who have died from COVID or simply died with COVID. You know the difference between the two. 
As a result, we've become conditioned to take many headline-grabbing stats with a grain of salt. But this insurance company number, folks, it's the real deal. These people are paying out millions of dollars for people who died 40% more than normal. Experts are paying attention now. Dr. Robert Malone, he's the guy that invented the technology, mRNA, and his invention drives the vaccines now being used to inoculate against COVID-19. He published an article looking into the implications behind this 40% rise in deaths. He said that several conspiracy theories have clouded our understanding throughout the pandemic, but he came to a conclusion, an uncomfortable one, that this insurance figure may have significantly more weight to it. I could hardly believe what I was reading, he, he said. This headline is a nuclear truth bomb disguised as an insurance agent's dry manila envelope full of actuarial tables. So if the dramatic rise in deaths among working-age adults isn't being caused by COVID-19, isn't being caused by drug overdoses, what's the cause? Malone has suggested the unthinkable. You're probably not going to believe this. I don't even know if I should tell you. He says the culprit may be the vaccines designed to guard against COVID-19. This heavily promoted vaccine has been repeatedly promised to be safe and effective. Many adults have now taken three doses with a recommended fourth booster predicted sometime this fall. The shot has also been authorized for kids now young as five years old. That's unconscionable. If this holds true, he said, then the genetic vaccines so aggressively promoted have failed. At worst, this report implies the federal workplace vaccine mandates have driven what appears to be a true crime against humanity. Massive loss of life in presumably workers that have been forced to accept a toxic vaccine at higher frequency relative to the general population of Indiana. Before this insurance report came out, He was already a big critic of the mRNA vaccines used to inoculate against COVID. He was recently kicked off of social media platforms for just expressing those views. But there are other signs that the vaccines may, though considered to be a savior, may in fact be causing harm. And so every Monday, what we do is we go to the CDC's VAERS Report. That's reports from vaccine adverse events. As of January 14th, 10 days ago, these are reported numbers, which we are told by the CDC. These are estimates. These are based only on the numbers that healthcare professionals around the nation send to the CDC, that the likely numbers will be from four times to 10 times greater than these numbers. 22,193 dead Americans. So, according to the CDC, that real number could be as low as 4 times 22. What is it? 4 times 22? You tell me. 84,000. Or as high as 
10 times, which would be 221,000 dead from the vaccines, not COVID-19, from the vaccines, 118,000 reported hospitalizations, 113,000 urgent care visits, 164,000 doctor office visits, 8,800 anaphylaxis cases, 13,137 cases of Bell's palsy, 3,692 miscarriages, 11,260 heart attacks, 27,000 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, 39,150 permanently disabled Americans, 5,259 cases of thrombocytopenia and low platelet count, 25,000 life-threatening other events, 38,073 severe allergic reactions, 12,000 cases of shingles. All total in, those numbers we just gave you and the ones that are further down the line, through January 14th, reported to the CDC folks, 1,053,828 reports of serious reactions from the vaccines. This is unprecedented. We've told you this before. This number, now this is from the CDC's website. It's part, the VAERS report is part of their website. They've been doing this since 1993. It's been posted weekly, every Friday, since 1993. Let me, let me just look at the death thing. So, adverse reactions to all of the vaccines in existence from 1993 to January 1st of last year, 2021. From 1993 through 2021, those years, all of the vaccine adverse effects rolled in. I'm talking about vaccines, mumps, measles, all of those that we get as kids and polio and all those kind of things, you roll them in. The total number of deaths from adverse reactions to all of those from 1993 through 2021, 1,800 deaths reported to the CDC. How many years is that? 93 to 21. Would that be two years shy of 30 years? 93, yeah, yeah, 48 years, 1,800 deaths. Since January 1st of 2021 through January 14th, 22,000 deaths from vaccines, not from COVID, from vaccines. Tell me, tell me there's not something going on. No medicine ever approved by the FDA. None has ever had these kind of reactions before the FDA pulls them. The FDA's pulled, and we gave you a list. We published a list of every one of them that's ever been pulled that they had previously approved and why they did it. This should not be happening, especially not in the United States of America. This is a travesty. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN, the Truth News Network. 
Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a flying date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci, they, uh, they're they a tag team. They're a tag team on pretty much everything to do with COVID-19. They are going to be a little bit shocked, but they shouldn't be because this comes from the CDC. Guess what, folks? COVID case counts have dropped across the United States in recent days, stoking the optimism that the Omicron-fueled wave is going away. 34 states, 34, have recorded a decrease in cases in recent days every day, not including states that reported a single-day drop. This is according to an Epoch Times analysis. That includes some of those states that saw the massive Omicron-fueled increases like New York, California, and Florida. Other states that have seen fewer cases recently, Alabama, Delaware, Georgia, My state, Louisiana, Nevada, North Dakota, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. States in every region of the country have reported fewer cases. And a smaller number have also seen a lower number of people being admitted to hospitals with or for COVID-19. Now, we know this. We believe this. We trust this because we're seeing this play out factually. Omicron is more transmissible than was the Delta variant which dominated the U.S. for months last year. But it causes a smaller percentage of cases that end up sending people to the hospital or even to death. States saw a significant increase in positive tests with the emergence of Omicron at the end of the year, in part because COVID vaccines provide little protection against infection from the strain. Did you hear that? Anthony didn't mention this yesterday. COVID-19 vaccines, this is the science, folks. COVID-19 vaccines provide little protection against infection from the strain. Cases in New York shot above 90,000 on January 7th, but have since dropped sharply, hitting 26,772 last Friday. Hospitalizations attributed to COVID have also gone down in northeastern states. Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat from New York, worries that hospital admissions may go back up in the near future. But overall, the prognosis, the forecast for COVID is much brighter than it has been. She said, the COVID clouds are parting. 
In Alabama, cases have dropped from over 14,000 on January 10th to under 10,000 for several days. New Jersey recorded 33,000 cases on January 7th. Ten days later, 8,300. Oregon's daily count dropped from nearly 9,000 January 3rd to under 1,800 a week later. In other states, including Alaska and Iowa, cases have risen, have only dropped slightly, or have only recorded a one-day drop. Overall, the number of new cases nationwide dropped from 1.3 million in January 10th to the mid-800,000s in the following days, according to reported states that reported to the CDC. U.S. health officials, I wonder who that means. Anyway, they have said the drop in cases could come quickly, similar to the plunges seen in South Africa and other countries that dealt with earlier Omicron waves. And you remember we shut down the nation. When we heard coming out of South Africa, we heard the report about this new variant. Anthony Fauci, he got his trumpet in his hand and he trumpet gloom and doom. Schools were closing, shutting down. Businesses were shutting down. Airlines were clamping down on their passengers and what they could or couldn't do and what the requirements for them were. And then we find out, yeah, you can get sick from it. (laughs) But you can from the regular flu and the cold and bronchitis and all that. We've never locked this nation down one time for any of that. Let's move on to the other stuff. What's going on over there in Eastern Europe? And what are folks over there saying and doing about it? Well, NATO announced this morning it's sending fighter jets and ships to Eastern Europe as tension with the alliance, NATO, and Russia have now hit a a fever pitch due to the possibility of that Russian invasion of Ukraine. Denmark will sell a frigate to the Baltic Sea, and they're sending four F-16 fighter jets to Lithuania. Spain is sending ships to join NATO naval forces in the region and is considering sending fighter jets to Bulgaria. France said it's going to send troops to Romania. And the Netherlands said it's going to send two F-35 fighter aircraft to Bulgaria in a couple of months. The moves come as tensions in the reason it's just going up every day. The British Embassy in Ukraine said it's withdrawing some staffers from Kiev in response to the growing threat from Russia, that's just a day after U.S. officials said our State Department ordered families of U.S. Embassy personnel in the city to get out of Dodge. So maybe it won't be like it happened in uh, Afghanistan, right? A spokesman for Ukraine's foreign ministry blasted the State Department's decision as premature, an example of excessive caution. <laughs> That blows my mind. I mean, these guys ought to know Vladimir Putin better than you and I. People in Ukraine, they've already been through this one time. He took, he lopped off a piece of the eastern side of Ukraine years ago. Melinda Simmons, who's the British ambassador to Ukraine, she tweeted that its embassy remained open and we will be continuing with our work alongside our Ukrainian partners. NATO's message came a short time after a lawmaker from Moscow warned the U.S. against positioning troops in Eastern Europe. NATO will continue to take all necessary measures to protect and defend all allies, including by reinforcing the eastern part of the alliance. 
will always respond to any deterioration of our security environment, including through strengthening our collective defense. That's from NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg. Russian lawmaker Andrei Kartopolov told Interfax the Kremlin would respond appropriately if the U.S. deploys troops in the region. And then this one, this was the one that I was waited for with bated breath. Our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. Oh, he's the guy. He's the go-to guy, right? He's the mouthpiece for everything to do with foreign affairs. He's the mouthpiece of Joe Biden. Well, he stepped to the podium yesterday and he dodged a question about whether there was any scenario in which U.S. troops would be deployed to defend Ukraine, saying that U.S. and European allies are looking at practical and important responses to Russian aggression in the region. The EU, European Union, aims to show a united front in the face of what is sees as Russian aggression. All members of the European Union are united. We're showing unprecedented unity about the situation in Ukraine with the strong coordination with the U.S. That's the EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell told reporters in Brussels. So let's just drill down for a second. It's just me and you talking here. Me and you talking. Let's just, let's just throw into the mix of this for our consideration about hypothesis. You know, what might, well, let's call it hypothesis C's. Hypotheses, because there's more than one. Have you noticed how vapid Joe Biden has been about anything to do with Vladimir Putin in Russia? I've watched that two or three times. Now, let me, let me just do this. Let me just get you to think for a moment. In this exact same situation, how would Donald Trump be handling this? And I'm just using this as a comparative thought process. I'm not saying anything about Trump. I'm not saying he's coming back. I'm not, I'm, you know, if you know me and you come to this show, you know that I supported Trump's policies. I supported what he did. I despised his messaging. In fact, sent a letter to try to get him to tone it down a bit. But say what you will, he got things done. And he and Vladimir Putin had some detente. They were together. And of course, Trump got blasted for even having that meeting. But Russia never did anything through four years with Trump. They didn't do anything. They did some stuff during Biden and Obama's eight years in office. In fact, Ukraine lost part of its country when that happened. You remember the Ukrainian conflict? You remember at the very beginning of it? I'll never forget this as long as I live. They are close. They were at the time close to becoming members of NATO. They want to get in NATO, which means if you're a member of NATO and there's attack on any nation that's a fellow member in NATO, every NATO member is required to join that nation to go to war to defend that country. Ukraine was headed that way. And everybody, of course, in NATO, I don't think the United States really should be in NATO. I understand why they did it. I'm not so sure looking back that it was a good choice. That's a story for another day. But we're the big 
900-pound gorilla in the room with NATO. We we pay more than any other NATO member and all that. That's, a, that's another story. We've been through it over the last couple of years. Trump, by the way, he fixed that. He got people ponying up to the table and paying more. But nevertheless, you remember what happened when it was imminent that Vladimir was going to invade Ukraine? And the Ukrainian people were reaching out to us begging for one thing and one thing only. They wanted the missiles that we have. I forget the name of the missile, but they wanted us to provide them missiles that were amazing and are anti-tank missiles because the Russian military, they rely a lot on tanks. This was going to be pretty much a ground incursion, which it turned out to be. And you know what? Joe Biden and Barack Obama sent the Ukrainian military the aid that we gave them, blankets. Did you hear me? You didn't miss here, folks. That's the aid that Barack Obama and Joe Biden sent to Ukraine to push back the incursion by Vladimir Putin and the Russians. Blankets. I guess they needed it. It was in the winter. It was cold there. I'm getting sense that that philosophy may be living in this White House. I think Vladimir Putin, and I don't have any evidence of this. I told you, I use the term I always do here. I think, and I'll even take it one step further. I'm confident that Vladimir Putin has something on Joe Biden that is keeping the president from stepping up and really drawing the line in the sand that says, if you cross that border, cross this line, which is the border of Ukraine and Russia, the United States is going to be right there with our partners, Ukraine, to make sure it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. Whatever that takes, And that is the phrase that would freeze Vladimir Putin in his tracks. Whatever it takes. Joe Biden's not there, folks. He's not anywhere even close to that. We are seeing what former CIA director, former Secretary of Defense, you remember him, Bob Gates, Robert Gates? He commented about Joe Biden's foreign policy choices and decisions throughout his entire career Years ago, Bob Gates said, said this about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has never made a foreign policy decision that was right. Not a single one. Everyone he's made ever has been wrong. 180 degrees from the way he did it or said it was the right way, and history proved that out. Now, I think this president may be intimidated by the fact that he needs to make such a decision. Am I a warmonger? Absolutely not. I despise war. War means that two entities can't get together, aren't even talking to each other, aren't legitimately trying to prevent war, and that's kind of like the automatic fallback. We'll just go to we'll go to fist. We'll just go to to war. We'll fight. We'll kill people. But that's because we're not going to come to the table and resolve the differences that we have. Anthony Blinken, you remember who he was? He was the one that was all over 
during the Biden administration arming those rebels. Do you remember those rebels in Syria that were trying to overthrow the government there? Those rebels? We armed them. They didn't come to the American people. They didn't go to the U.S. Congress and do it. They just did it. Antony Blinken was Hillary Clinton's right-hand man when she was Secretary of State. That's when Benghazi and all that stuff happened. So we aided those armed insurgents in Syria to go after the government there. You know who those insurgents, armed people were that they armed on Blinken's word and watch? ISIS. Barack Obama and Joe Biden invented ISIS. Gave it establishment. Gave it money. Gave it weapons. I mean, big-time weapons. It was supposed to be to go after Basra Assad. Wasn't Basra Hassan. That, that, that wasn't it? And so this guy's the Secretary of State. I think Joe Biden is intimidated by Vladimir Putin if Vladimir doesn't have something on Joe Biden to keep him from stepping up and doing the right thing. I don't know which one it is, folks, but I guarantee you it's one or the other. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall. In a world gone mad, get telling the up. truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mm -mm. How about China? Mm. Germany? Mm. How about people from the North Pole? Mm. Or Mars? <laughs> it, what about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. Mm. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm. Mm. Yeah, what about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton Tea can do that. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. Well, it's not only uh, Jen Psaki that has just fallen all over herself to congratulate Joe Biden for his amazing accomplishments in dear one as president. Listen, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to play it. We don't have time. Listen to this back and forth. This is Raditz on ABC um, on the Sunday 
ABC's This Week show. She's talking to Donna Brazil. Now, you know who she is. Donna Brazil was the chairman of the Democrat National Committee. She's the one that in the Trump-Hillary debates, she was one of the moderators, and she was accused of giving the questions and the right answers to Hillary Clinton. And she denied it over and over and over again, but later came out and she admitted that she did that. Um, she further, for a while, she was a contributing editor. They had her on Fox News for a number of shows for, I guess, better part of a year, a couple of years ago, I think. And then finally, I think the focus groups told Fox News she's in the tank far left and she doesn't speak a lot of sensical things, so they, they took her out of that role. Well, anyway, she was talking to, I think it's Margaret Raddatz, is that her name, on ABC? Raddatz said this yesterday, I want to I wanna start with you, unity, unity, unity. That is what Joe Biden talked about in his inaugural address just over a year ago. That's not what he has done. And this week it's clear he's changing course. Donna Brazil, she said this, there's no question that what the president called for last year is something that we should all aspire to. We want to be a united country, especially now given the threats that we see abroad. He also said he wanted to reach out. He's tried, and of course we got the result as the bipartisan infrastructure bill. But this is an opportunity for all Americans to really rally behind the president as we try to get this virus under control, keep this economy growing, keep it growing, (laughs) keep our schools reopened. Look, I think the president has a lot to brag about. And yes, I say brag, because for the first time in my lifetime, we have a president who is going to eliminate lead pipes. Oh my gosh, let's do a parade for him. Lead pipes. She continued, a president that is going to ensure that every child gets a head start and a healthy start. But while we're not celebrating all of his successes, we are basically focused on the next election. And we know that's 289 days away. So I give him high marks for the first year. He hasn't accomplished everything he wanted to, but by the way, he's only in the first year of a four-year term. So this is going to be a key year for President Biden. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Look what he's done to us. In one year, I can't imagine it being four times as bad as that, can you? Let's just pray we can stop some of this insanity, we being the people. I think finally members of Congress, even in his own party, are awakening that uh, something ain't right there. Something's wrong. Senator Barrasso from Wyoming, he doesn't get up and say much, very much at all. But boy, he butchered. Joe Biden. Listen to this. He testified. He didn't testify. This was at a press meeting in Congress several days ago about Biden's agenda. Uh, The president will be holding a rare press conference today, and he's going to try to explain away his very poor approval numbers by saying he has a communications problem. The president doesn't have a communications problem. He has an agenda problem. The American people understand fully what Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are trying to sell. The American people aren't buying it. Last Thursday, President Biden stood right at this very spot. And what you saw was a president who was failing and flailing, failing to address the needs of the American people, 
failing to talk about the things that they know are important to their own lives. That's why they view him as inept, ineffective, and only one in three Americans believe that he is actually doing what they need in their lives to help them in their major concerns. And when I say he is flailing, all you had to do was listen to Chuck Todd on Meet the Press this Sunday, who said that the president had one of his worst weeks as president of the United States. These are problems that the president brought on himself. He went to Georgia last week, and he basically said half of the country were racists and traitors. It reminded me of Hillary Clinton calling all of us deplorables. This president ran for office as being a uniter. The speech was very divisive. And then he referred to all of us that you either choose to stand with him on changing voter laws or with Bull Connor. Well, who is Bull Connor? Number one, he was a Democrat, and he's a white supremacist. And he turned fire hoses on civil rights protesters and their children. And then he unleashed attack dogs on them. Is that how Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders view all Republicans, as well as two Democrat senators, at a time when it's actually easier to vote than ever before? when their record turnout in voting? The facts don't lie, even though the president might. I will tell you, this is a president who goes to Georgia, but the laws in voting in Georgia are easier than they are in his home state of Delaware or Chuck Schumer's home state in New York. Why aren't they up there pounding their chests and calling the people in Delaware and New York racists and traitors? Tom Barrasso, boy, did he hit the nail on the head. Folks, that's a wrap at TNN Live today. Don't you, don't you dare miss a show this week. We'll be back with goodies, expecting a, a surprise guest later in the week this year. This, this week, <laughs> not this year. You guys have a great day. Be back tomorrow morning. Don't forget, check the stories out, especially one today. It's a big one at truthnewsnet.org. We'll see you tomorrow. It's going to all be okay, folks. Everything's going to work out. Have a great day. Lost and all alone I always thought that I could make it on my own But since you left, I hardly make it through the day My tears get in the way And I need you back to stay Without a wheel, touch without.